And then they like display it and they're like, this is what the hive looks like. This is what it did look like before. This is what it did look like before you like completely railed it. Right. Wait, with live animals in it? Yeah. Is that chill? I don't think it's that chill. That seems really unchill. No, I so You are listening to the Dude Nature Podcast. everyone welcome to the do nature podcast we are here in the reactor it's hot and sweaty this is definitely not our third take but adam yep how are you i'm great we're here <laughs> we did it we did it we did it we got guys it. welcome home yeah okay we're glad to see you adam gripe good suggestion be, good to be home uh my gripe three in the morning conversations Okay, something happens at three in the morning. There's a good chance that it's an emergency situation or a semi-emergency. Something not serious, but like something like I need to clean up the dog diarrhea that's in my house. Um, so when that happens and you and your partner spring into action, kind of just like, you know, everyone's kind of doing their own task. Someone might be cleaning, someone might be taking the trash out, you know, getting the dog outside. We don't need to have like much of a conversation is what I'm saying. Like, let's just get into our roles. Let's take care of the emergency and we'll go back to bed. How I got about it. That? How about so, that? I got it. So yeah. when when something goes down at three in the morning, yeah. it's just see the problem, see it, read and react. Read and react. See it and attack like, it. We don't need to discuss it or there like make need a to be whole a discussion thing about what we're doing for dinner tomorrow. Or make like a whole big deal about it. No. Right. Did the dog diarrhea just, at three in the morning. Just dog diarrhea. Just emergency, dog diarrhea, you know, something go maybe someone called three in the morning. Get up, take care of it, and then we're back to bed. That's it. Okay. I love, I act, love, I love act your like gripe. it never happened. I love your gripe. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to leap onto it with, with mine. Yeah. My gripe is conversations at 10 at night. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get to bed, you know, you're, you're about to, you're about to read, you're about to get your book. Okay. About to bring it over to read a little bit, to relax. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, like issue comes up, right? Issue. Your partner's next to you. Issue comes up. Like, I don't like birth control. Right. Right. Or, or such as when are we having children? Right. And you're just, it's just, you're blindsided, right? Like a truck, like a truck, like a truck came through uh-huh. and it, a late, like a for late you, serious talk. It's like 10 at night. And I'm just like, Oh, I'm going to get my bed. I'm going to, I'm going to rub my dog and read right. Me time, rub my dog and read. And then I'm going to pass out. Yeah. But all of a sudden the truck comes and you're just not ready for it. And then you never give the right response. And then it just, it never ends because, up well because it's 1030. Number two, mm-hmm. number two, uh, your serotonin levels are the lowest they, they are all day at like at eight o'clock. So serious topics, never discuss them after eight. I have a really bad Just habit. Just don't do I'm them. the one that does that. I have a really bad habit yeah. of doing that. No, I know. And it's, be- yeah, because your, uh, your happiness, your brain happiness chemicals, they're at, they're at zero. <laughs> yeah. So it is not the time to discuss that. I like to start, bad at, time. I like to start at 1030, put the book, put the book down and be like, hey, so religion. Hey, guess what? <laughs> Finances aren't looking so good this week. <laughs> Hey, so um, birth control. You're gonna. <laughs> you like it? Let's talk about. It. Let's discuss it. Hey. No. Yeah. Do you remember the game Sim Ant? I love the game Sim Ant. What do you remember about Sim Ant? I remember Sim Ant. You're a little ant crawling around a field. You gotta avoid spiders. And like earthworms, and you gotta you gotta like go attack the other ants. You can be a soldier and a worker. You can eventually eat the spiders. 
Really? Yeah. With your other aunt friends. More advanced six-year-olds knew that you could eventually attack yeah. the spiders. I'm wondering how many of the audience has played Simant. Yeah. That's very, I'm very curious about that. Um, in Simant, the player plays the role of an ant. It's a yellow ant, I think I remember, is your ant. You can, you can go between a queen to a worker and to a soldier. Right, you can you can just switch. If you double click on the other and the other things, they become you. So you play as an ant in a colony of black ants in the backyard of of a suburban home. The ant colony, your ant colony, must go to war against enemy red ants. With the ultimate goal being to spread throughout the garden into the house and finally to drive out the red ants and their human owners from the house. So in <laughs> in this respect, Sim Ant was different from other Sim games, obviously because you're an ant, not a Sim. Sim golf was a, a second top, game. top sim sim game. Sim golf. Sim golf is a great game. Sim ty, sim roller coaster or whatever. Sim tycoon. There's also sim. No pi- wait, no, that wasn't it. Yeah, sim golf was roller really coaster good. tycoon. Sim ant was really good. Sim theme park. There's sim sim theme park, theme park was great. That I is think, a great one. I think sim golf is really fun. What's I think sim theme park is high because you can for me. make a whole course and then you can play it like in tournaments. Yeah, and you no, have like a, sim a guy. sim golf was great. Okay, so dog leg to the left. In Cement, you can also oh yeah, you can also place pheromone trails, maze walls, rocks, ants, pesticides, and food in different locations. Life of an ant on the battlefield. So I remember it was really, really fun. Um, the creator of the Sims, he said that he got the idea for the Sims while working on Sim Ant. So there you go. That's how you know it's good. Really? Yeah. Oh, because he was like, What if we're just the humans? Yeah, I guess he was like, what if you could just yellow the humans and be What if human? we just played as the humans and, and he was like, oh, what if you could like just do human shit instead of like, instead of being an ant? spiders as an ant. I bet you could download Sim Ant probably for like $2. Sick game, Sim Ant. Sick ass game. I played a little bit yesterday. Actually. Did you really? Yeah, it was really fun. Where'd you I, download it? I, that's how I knew you could attack a spider. I attacked a spider. Where'd you download it? You can just play it in the browser now. Oh my God. Yeah. Was it free? Yeah, it was awesome. That's so cool. Uh, no, what's our topic today? Hey. Our topic is ant warfare. Ant war. Okay. Ants, awesome little creatures. We're just going to focus on one specific topic, ant war. We're going to do a future episode with ant ingenuity and everything. But now we're going to talk about ant warfare. Yeah. Adam. Mm-hmm. Begins that don't suck. You have 60 seconds to tell us about ants. Yes, are you I ready? Do. Yes, I do. Yes, you do. Are you ready? Yeah. Yes, yes you I are. Do. Yes, I do. Yes, you are. I am. Okay. Three, two, one. Each day, Noah, billions of soldiers, these being ants, fight an unbelievably brutal war. Many deaths and casualties all over the planet. And it's been going on for over a hundred million years. And we're talking, of course, about ants. From ants that are specifically designed for war, the army ant, which we'll get to in a second, to ants that are adapted to counterattack and fight them. Ant warfare is a way of life for these creatures. And actually, it plays a large part in supporting forest ecology as a whole. So, Um, Noah... Interrupt me during the beginning of the Don't Suck <laughs> one more time. I was going inter- to actually you. interrupt to say it absolutely does. Yeah. So it was a good interruption. It was a positive interruption. Can you tell us what our theme is, please? Yeah. Our theme is arms race. Okay? Because as you'll see, the biodiversity of ants is crazy. Because they just keep getting more and different offenses and defenses for warfare. And that's why there are actually, Adam, over 12,000 species of ants across the world. Well, perfect. You can we're just set right into the yeah, general go ant right warfare. In. Okay, let's, talk, let's 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 get some background on ants. Okay, right before we get into the warfare, as I said, there's twelve thousand species of ants that are known. Okay, it's estimated that that's only about fifty percent of all actual ant species. So there's approximately one fuck ton of ant species out there. How they get so biodiverse, right? How are these creatures all so different? Well, ants started in the Jurassic period. 
Yes, yes, Jurassic, large, large dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Okay, and actually, they were they were pretty small. They were kind of just barely surviving. Once flowers happened, so flowers happened, right? The flowers spread like from the ground all the way to the treetops to the middle of the canopy, and ants started moving in all these different kinds of habitats. So they, so they started to diversify in the habitat that they're in. Okay, then Pangaea, which is a large landmass. It split up, and the ants separated with it in a process called speciation. So the ants were living on one giant blob of a continent, and yes. then when the continent split, the ants there was different ants so, in different places. Right. So basically, like diverse diversity of habitat makes diversity of species. Mm-hmm. Okay. And speciation is the process where one species becomes many different kinds of species. So think, you know, for example, think humans. Yeah. Right? There's many different kinds of humans that live all across the world. So there have been ants for a long time. There have been ants there have been ants for a long time. And because they when the continent split up, the ants had so many different kinds of habitats. And because flowers came about basically at the same time as the ant, mm-hmm. they had so many different kinds of ecosystems to hang out in, they developed all these different traits. Were there any ants in like a modern day Iraq or Iran, would you say? Like in the desert? <laughs> You just want to play that. <laughs> I'm trying to work it in. I'm trying, I, love I have that. no yeah, idea you gotta, where to you put gotta that play one that. In. Yeah. Slumdog Millionaire. Mm-hmm. Latika. Yep. All right. So, how much biomass do you think out of all the animals out there, Adam? If all the animals out there had 100 percent of the biomass, what do you? How, what percent do you think are ants? God, if I only knew. Just ants. If I only knew. Um, Take a gander. Take a gander. 10 percent. That's a really good. You're pretty good at guessing. Yeah. That was a really good guess. I've been told I'm a good guesser. They're a good guesser. Yeah. That was, I got something stuck in my mouth. It's a blueberry. It's an ant. Yeah, it's an ant that I ate. It was 20, 20%. 20% of the world's biomass are just ants. It, world's, like, like world's animal, animal. So, animal like, biomass. take all the animals, put it into 100%. 20% of that ant. is ant. So, it's just a fuck ton of ant. It's one fuck ton of ant. Okay. Do you want to guess what humans are? What are we like? Uh, oh, you said I was a good guesser. So now I want to mess this up. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. What are what are we like? Um, point oh, point one, point oh one. Oof. No, what are we? Oof. Uh, we're two point five percent. What? Yeah, we are two point five percent of the total biomass. It sounds like a lot. Mm-hmm. Sounds like more than we should be, especially because they're right. insects. All right, listen to this. I know we're on biomass, but I thought it was it was crazy interesting. I got lost in Who biomass you- for a second. Hold yeah. on, hold on. So family arthropod arthropoda. Yeah. Okay, that ants are in. That's forty-two percent of the total biomass. So, so what, what do we have in there? Wasps. Okay, so we got we got wasps, insects, ants. Forty-two percent, and obviously twenty-five percent of the hundred is ants. Okay, after arthropod at forty-two percent. Yeah. What is the next animal down that has the highest amount of biomass in the world? You mean what's like a different family? Yes. Um. So you've got insects in there. Is it spiders? I got arthropods in there, insects in there. Move off from it. I'll give you a hint. Move off from insect. A spider is not an insect, right? It's an arachnid. I think it's, uh, it's, it's an arthropod. I don't think so. It's not know. spiders anyway. Okay, not spiders. Um, I think you're right. Arachnid's different. Yeah. Um, give me a little. Help me think with my brain. Um. Oh, I got it. Manatees. That's it. We have, we have a fuck ton of manatees. It's actually, it's actually closer than you think. It's fish at twenty nine percent of the total biomass. Yeah, it's a fucking okay. fish. So, like including whales. 
Yeah. How about whale? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And their semen. Whales, their semen, and fish. Okay. Okay. Perfect. How and about giant squid? <laughs> I hate you. How about giant saphonophore? <laughs> hey, the, how about the giant fauna? The giant fauna that we haven't found yet is seventy percent of the biomass. Giant squid lurking in the deep to eat you. Yeah. Ants play an important role in the environment, Adam. My biomass seems to be centered you. between my legs. <laughs> my, why is my... Where, where is most so, of your biomass? It seems to be centered. It's, it's right between, between both of my legs. God, perfect. We're Good getting, one. We're getting there. We're getting that is the, a great start to the, the pod. That's what I like to talk about. Yeah. All right. Ants play an important role in that they're a large source of food for creatures. They turn and aerate the soil. Then, and it helps oxygen and water reach the plant roots, and they disperse seeds on the forest floor. They're very, very, as we'll learn with these examples. So, what we're going to do is that me and Adam are going to both give you a couple examples of ant warfare. What you'll see with the examples is that ants are important for the food web as a whole, Adam. Very important for yeah. forest ecology. Why have they been so successful? Why are there so many ants? And why, why are they approximately one fuck ton of the biomass of all the species? Yeah, why have they okay. been so successful? Ascent, essentially, although they all have tons of different techniques. They, their ability to act as one big superorganism and act as a community makes them so successful. So being able to have organization and work together, much like humans. Just like us. Yeah. But there's like, there's crazy, so like some examples, there's crazy YouTube videos of ants making like huge ant chains across chasms to like attack a wasp nest. Right. Yeah. Um, also, they, they'll sacrifice, they're kind of like robots. Mm-hmm. They're really robotic. They'll sacrifice themselves for the colony. So, like, there's a, there's a type of ant called Colo, Colobo, <laughs> Colobopsis explodens. Yeah. Um, which, obviously, it'll, exp- it'll explode and spread toxic goo on enemies. How does it explode? It, it rears its butt up. And then? Its butt goes up in the air, and it literally explodes. Yeah, but what's what's the mechanism of explosion? It just it just combusts. It can just it can combust itself when it needs to. I already told the story of where the windows in the old boys' boarding school would just combust, would just break all of a sudden. Oh, when when your like doormaster was like, so they just combusted. Yeah, the doormaster would come over and be like, oh, so I see it just exploded, and everyone would just nod. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, it just it just exactly naturally combusted. Okay, anyway, combusted. Okay, exploding ant. Yep. Adam. Yep. Just give us an example. Okay. Guess the leaf cutter ants. We're going to start with leaf cutter ants. Yeah. Let's start off with a really cool one. Okay. Leaf cutter ants. Why are they called leaf cutter ants, Noah? Why? Because they cut a bunch of leaves and foliage and they actually bring it back to their nest. Do you know what they bring it back to their nest for, though? Well, what are some uh, of your guesses? Agriculture for their aphids. Exactly. Yes. They use. Boom. And that's, they, a, that's a fucking scientist right there. They use it to grow fungus. They use the leaves. And the decaying leaves to grow fungus, which they then eat, which is unbelievable. So they're farmers. They're farmer ants. Okay. Um, one thing to know about the leaf cutter ant is that they're highly complex. There's 47 different species of these leaf chewing guys, these tropical guys, and they're amazing. They're fantastically social with an insane division of labor, including different castes, a different caste system. Um, that's right. So some of them, the workers, only care for the brood. And the young. And then there are minors. So in ant terminology, did you see this a lot too? They use minor, major, and and mini, like as real classifications of workers. Like so of different kinds of workers. So when you're thinking about like a caste, right? There's like a soldier caste and a worker caste. Right, right, and right. queen. But the worker caste has different different sizes inside of oh, it. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So these are the minors who are slightly larger than workers. Uh, they provide the first line of defense as patrol units. Uh, cool. The foragers, who are a little bit smaller than than the um, the miners, 
they're even smaller. They cut leaves and bring them back to the nest. Do they have different man? So what I what I found is that some of the ants, the different casts have different mandibles. Definitely. So for different shit, different size, different mandibles. By mandible, I mean the jaw. Yeah. Their their mouth and teeth, right. basically. And of course, there's soldiers who defend the nest and also clear foraging trails full of debris. Some Colombian villages, Noah, because these these especially in leaf cutter ants, these soldiers are so big. They're up to a hundred times as big as their workers. And if you look at a picture of it, it looks like there's a spider. In the middle of an ant hive, but it's just the soldier. Right. But it's, it's just, just the soldier. It's the same ant, just a different kind. It's the soldiers are hu- in leafcutter ants specifically. The soldiers are absolutely huge compared huge. to the worker, or just huge compared to the worker. Yeah, and in in like in general, like compared to an army ant, which we'll talk about later, the soldiers are really. Big. I think that's a good description, though. It does look like a spider it looks like walking a spider. around the ants, but it's just another ant. They're so big that some Colombian villages where they live, they will roast, cook, and eat the um the soldier ant and sell them. That's how they make like a subsistence. Of Have living. you ever eaten an ant? Uh, yeah, I've eaten an ant. How was it? Uh, it tastes like chicken. How was it actually? It tastes a lot like a cricket, honestly, which I ate right after that. Does that taste like an earthworm? Um, what does it honestly taste like? You know, like you ate uh, when we were drinking tequila, you ate. What is the thing that you crickets? Cricket, right? and it was pretty good, right? I think it's actually that's ant, what I'm saying. It's good when ant, you when you put spices on the insect. Yeah, it's good and is good straight up. Yeah, you put tahini on it. Now I have another question. It's it's roasting the smell of roasting ant. There's nothing like the smell it's of roasting like, ant. It's not like a ro- an ant barbecue. Yeah, not like roasting ant. Um, hey, can I ask you? It's some? also obviously it's highly nutritious. I mean, it's all protein. Yeah, let me ask you something. Sure. As a vegetarian man. As yeah. a man of, of, of ethic, morality, and vegetarian. Would I eat an insect? Right. If, if there was a restaurant that was like set specialized in, in it called Insectopia, that specialized in, in, in cooking insect, would you eat the insect? Yeah, I'm actually all about eating insects. I think I, I don't think I'd feel bad at all eating the insects. I can't believe we didn't touch on that in the meat episode. That, that is really interesting. That the future of insect food. There needs to be a whole like insect cuisine. I'm not sure I care about eating it. Maybe I we should open up the first insects. insect food truck. And we could have like we could have cicadas, like a cicada. And that sandwich. is a business that will take off. <laughs> that will absolutely. Those take are the off kind here. of businesses. That's why you're here. We'll make it like green marketing, you know? Yeah, and they can come. I mean, I would be down. You come, you get a tray of ants. You get some like yeah, you get some termites. Get Junior a little termite ice cream. I mean, I'd be into it. I'm not sure anyone would go, but you could make it a thing. It is very nutritious. Wait, though. hold on. You could make it a thing. Do you know what I mean? An insect you, thing. A, a thing. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I yeah, I'm all about eating the ants. I mean, here's the thing about insects. I don't feel right? bad about eating the ants. When insect. you talk about insect, when you talk about insect consciousness, and you think about how they might think as a hive mind, I think that there's something to that. Like maybe they are thinking as one superorganism instead of an individual consciousness. The individuals are robots. Mm-hmm. They don't care at all. Yeah, I mean, this thought goes way back to even like King Arthur, the Once and Future King. Do you ever read the book? When you know how Merlin turns them into different animals. Okay, keep going. When Merlin turns him into an ant, he experiences the world as like ant number 45 or 450. And Oh, that's cool. And the voice in his head is like this in uh King Arthur's head is like this super organism that's that controls all the ants. Also Ender's game. He gets turned into an ant there. What happens there? No, no, no. In Ender's game where he like learns about the buggers. I'm I'm not sure if oh, this is the second happens? one or the first one. Yeah, go ahead. He basically realizes that uh they they're a hive mind and the reason that they had war with the human is because they thought that the humans were kind of hive minds too, so that killing a worker doesn't mean anything. Right. So when they would kill a human, they didn't know that it was like a really bad act. Oh, I see. That only killing the queen actually matters. So you've read the sequels then. I forgot you read the sequels. I've read, yeah, the Ender sequels and the Bean sequels. Never read the sequels. Dude, they're so good. Have the, you read the, the Dune? Bean sequels? Have you read are the so Dune good. sequels? When I was young, really young, I read Dune 
and I felt like maybe I need to go back because maybe I didn't understand it. Because this, when there was sex in it, I was I was just like, oh my god, there's sex in Dune. I don't know if there's that much sex. There's sexual acts. Like some people are into his mom. I remember on a helicopter scene where people are into his mom. Anyway, leaf cutter ants. Speaking of of people into their uh, ant moms, uh, the ant colony is as big as New York, or it can be. Okay, their next their nests can grow more than thirty meters across and up to six hundred meters of space squared can be taken up. So it, that houses about 8 million individuals and 8 million is roughly the population of New York. How, how, oh, oh, wow. So like, so it's like New York city. These ant hives are like New York city of ants. Can you give me an also like, uh, like metaphorically how big it is? The 600 meters squared. Yeah. But like, like, you know how I like to use football fields? No, I know. I I'm know. a football field guy. I like yeah. to say how oh, the football, how field. many football fields, many yeah, people yeah. like to use. Can the you put field. it into context with me? 600 meters. Cause it doesn't mean anything to me. 600, when you say it. 600 meters squared is is approximately one fuck ton. I hate you. Okay, yeah. continue. Um, like I said, they're they're highly specialized. There's also been studies, like in the Journal of Behavioral Biology, 2003, that suggest that these leafcutter ants they can use magnetic fields to navigate, like a compass, so they don't just use pheromones. Um, as Noah stated earlier, they're fungus growers. That's right. They get their nutrition from gardening. That's what they use the leaves for to feed their fungus. Not only that, but older workers have been seen practicing waste management. So some of these fungi and some of the microfungi that develop on the leaves, they're actually toxic. So they'll send older leafcutter ant workers to take that uh, decaying matter that is mm-hmm. not healthy yep. and take it to a dump, essentially. And they send the older, <laughs> they send the older workers because they're more expendable. And who cares if they die? Who cares if they die, exactly. Right, this is why ants are so successful. So in the leafcutter ant hive, they'll see these giant nests and they'll see like a giant refuse pile of leaves. And fungus. That, that's like the waste from the agriculture. It's the waste. That's yeah. awesome. So when attacked, which we were going to get to later in our section on leafcutter ants and army ant fighting, when they're attacked, the workers will create barricades and seal off the entrances. Sometimes they'll even seal off the entrances with their own heads. That's what I'm talking about. That's fucking commitment. That's the kind of commitment we need. No, that's how you fucking commit. The thing, when we keep going through the ants, you're going to hear about a lot of ants. The thing to remember about leafcutter ants, because you're going to need this memory when we get to it later, is that... The soldiers are huge in that they grow fungus to eat. They garden to eat, and the soldiers are huge. Leafcutter ants. Leafcutter ants. They grow fungus. Soldiers are huge. Soldiers are huge. Soldiers look like a Block giant Block entrances with their head. Block entrances with their heads. Remove waste with the old... The grandpas remove the waste. So we've talked Grandpa, about... Grandpa! Get in here and take the trash <laughs> out. That's a colony that's as big as New York. But Noah, can you tell us about colonies that are even bigger than that? Yes. Okay. So we're moving on to Argentinian versus versus fire ants. Okay. I want to paint it. This is, I think this is the coolest, like the coolest thing ever. I just want to paint a picture for people. There is like a, the biggest world war of ants that has ever gone on is going on right now uh, across. It's across the world and based in all across the United States. Um, it's crazy. So it has not happened before, at least in like human recorded history. And it's going on right now. Um, so basically, here's how it happened. In the Peron River floodplains in Argentina, somewhere in Argentina, there are, there are fire Deep ant- in the heart of Argentina. Deep in the heart of Argentina, in Lionel Messi's village. Right. Okay. There are fire ants, army ants, and Argentinian ants. Okay. And these three ants, they really they really balance each other out. Okay. Because they're, they're in this river floodplain, they're battling all the time together. Okay. We're, and we're, we're going to focus on the Argentine, Argentine ants. The thing about the Argentine ants is that they're actually very small. 
So it's really weird how successful they've been coming to the United States because the fire ants and the army ants that they fight with in Argentina are like 10 times bigger. Mm -hmm. So it's shocking that like they have even survived, but they have a secret at them. What's the secret? Reproduction. Which one of the ants is the secret? The Argentinian ants? Yeah, the Argentinian ants. Argentinian ants, fire ants, and army ants. Yeah. Okay. Those three three factions. Those are the three factions that are in this river floodplain and they've just been warring for, it's like the Middle East. Uh huh. It's it's like the Middle East of ant. Okay. Without, Without the third faction. Depends on how you see the Palestinians. Depends on how you see the Middle East. Okay, so yeah. and, and and they've been they've been warring for forever. Okay. Okay. The Argentine ants trick basically is that for every so while other hives they have like one queen for a bajillion workers or maybe just one one queen per hive. Mm-hmm. Argentine ants have a queen for every 120 workers, and they lay up to 60 eggs a day. How many queens do they have? They have tons. That's their secret is the Argentine ants have tons of queens and they lay eggs all the time and they propagate way faster than any other, any other species. Okay. Okay. Teams. So teams of queens and workers of Argentine ants, they also break off and go together and find, found new colonies. It's like a platoon. It's like a platoon that breaks off and then like, then forms a colony. Yeah. It's basically like a colony. Why doesn't everyone have multiple queens? Why is it more common to have one queen per hive? Not sure. That's a really good. That's a really good question. But the multiple queens per hive have made this this ant super successful. Okay. Okay. So teams of queens and workers they'll branch out and they'll form a new colony, like you know the United States and England. Okay. However, in Argentina, just like the U.S. and England, they will they this new colony once it gets big enough, they'll actually start fighting the old colony. That's not good. No, that's not like, good. That doesn't sound like it would be evolutionarily uh, advantageous. It's at all. not. It, it's not. But what it what it does is that it keeps the number of Argentina ants in check. Okay, so the Argentina ant colonies are fighting against each other, and then the army ants are fighting against them, and the fire ants. It's the Middle East. It's the Middle East ant uh, out there in Argentina. Okay, right, like the DMZ. But it's is it so that they don't ruin their uh, they don't ruin their environment. Like the capacity of their environment to hold them, the amount of food that's in there. Well, let me let me let me continue. You'll see. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird thing that doesn't make sense evolutionarily. Because just as an aside, the army ants when they see they don't fight each other. They never fight each other. Their colonies don't fight each other. They do not. Right. That is evolutionarily advantageous. So it is weird that the Argentine ants fight each other, but it might be because they're actually so good at reproducing that if that they would just they would wipe out their food source. Or they just, they haven't needed, I know what it is. They haven't needed to get there. Do you see what I mean? What do you mean they haven't needed to they get there? They haven't had the evolutionary pressure to be able to not fight the same colony. But just let me, just let me, let me continue. May I continue, yeah. sir? We need to get a board bed in here at some point. So I was thinking if we could do it there, but I don't I like so. that. Okay. Yeah. Let me continue. Yeah. Okay. One day humans came to Argentina, Adam, as you might've heard. The ants, the ants hitched a ride with, with these, uh, like these early sailors Back to Madeira in, in, in pronunciations. It's been a bad pronunciation day Madeira. already. Madeira in Africa. And most importantly, they, they went back to New Orleans. Okay. On ships. So once they got off the ship in New Orleans, here is the big difference. Instead of being surrounded by army ants, fire ants, and other vis, vicious Argentine ant tribes, the, they were all alone. And most of the, most of the early species that came, o- came over were from the same, from the same colony. Okay, so when they were in New Orleans and they propagated and they started spreading out to other hives, for some reason, they, they didn't fight with each other. Well, that's good, but I wonder why that is. 
Okay. Because there's no other ants. They didn't fight with each other. I don't know. Scientists don't really know why. But for some reason, they these new colonies that were formed from like the big colony, they unlike in Argentina where they do fight each other, yeah. in, in the U.S., they didn't fight each other. Okay? Maybe, maybe it's like, you know, humans on planet Earth, we're very tribal and we fight each other. If we went to another planet and there were aliens... Maybe we would fight the aliens instead of fighting each other. They had a common enemy. Yeah, a common enemy. Yeah. The thing is with these ants, though, is that they didn't even have a common enemy here. They had no enemies. Yeah. Nothing. And so when you say it was a good thing, actually, this has not been a good thing. Well, okay. you, have, you have young buck soldiers. You know, they need to they need to go prove their worth. Okay. Let me tell you. These ants have basically spread everywhere across the U.S. now. By these ants? Argentine ants? Argentine ants have, have spread everywhere across the U.S. because there's no competition for them. And they have there, and they have then spread across the world. So they form the biggest inter- intercontinental super colony um, that there's ever been. Argentine and they're all ants. they're all one colony. Is and they're any- spread across. Listen, to this, they're all one colony, and they're spread across the world. Is there anything besides the multiple queens specifically cool about these ants? Like unique to them, like their body shape or anything? No, it's just that they reproduce extremely fast. Okay. And, and it's that they reproduce extremely fast and going to make a new hive with the queen. They seem to be more organized at that. Okay. Somehow. Because they have a lot of queens, they just send them off. So they have spread throughout the entire world. They have spread. They've now spread throughout their enti- entire world. Okay. And this can be, this can be a problem. Okay. So in some U in some U.S. forests, they've replaced 90% of the native ants. Okay. So like, especially the giant carpenter ants. Which are super big, but live in very small small colonies in the U.S. The Argentine ants, when they get to their territory, they completely wipe them out. Al- although they're bigger, they just have way more numbers. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, actually, another thing that they do is that when they, when they attack or when they're in combat, they wipe chemicals on other ants, which like irritates the other ant and like marks it, marks the other ant for attack, for like frenzied attack from the other Argentine ants. Oh, so it gives them kind of like a blood blood rush? Blood rush. Situation? Yeah, blood rush, if you will, in a video game. Okay, so these ants, the only cool thing about them is that they can re- reproduce. Basically, their lot. reproduction. Their rate of reproduction is why they're successful. They also eat spiders and flies, which in, in the areas that these ants are in, they can completely eradicate all the spiders and the flies. Is this a bad thing that they've yes. taken over the world? Yeah, it's a bad thing. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Like, why why is that so bad? Uh, so like when you wipe, it's just killing biodiversity. It's killing biodiversity exactly. So like, let's say like you're wiping out all the carpenter ants, you're wiping out all the spiders and all the flies in the region. Region that's killing a lot of the diversity of that region, right? Who knows what systems they're affecting? The another thing that they do that's bad is that with humans and gardens, these ants, these ants harvest aphids. They're agricultural ants as well, just like just like your ants. They harvest aphids and they suck the ne- nectar that the aphids give. So when a huge super colony harvests all these aphids, the aphids then eat all the plants. So they, this huge super colony of ants creates a huge super colony of aphids, and then the aphids eat all the agriculture. Wait, but they... Do you see? Are, they eat the aphids. No. They grow the aphids. They grow the aphids just like agriculture. Ne- to suck their to nectar. To suck their nectar. So before you know it, you have also a super colony of aphids. Okay, and then aphids eating all eat all the, the aphids eat all the leaves. Oh, okay. How how did the humans? How did we fuck this one up? 
Like we are obviously responsible for this, but how yeah, are we responsible cool. for it? So, so we're responsible for it just because we transported them from their natural habitat in Argentina, where there's environmental checks and balances against them. Ah, and we transported them to the U.S., where there is nothing to stop them. That's like an old school climate disaster. Old school, yeah. Back in the day, when it was just fun and games. Yeah. it's the same. Like it's like the eucalyptus climate disaster in California. Right, right. It was the biggest deal when we were, when we were growing up. Like that's that was the biggest deal. Yeah, you, fuck you, eucalyptus. Eucalyptus, but like now it's like whatever. Yeah, honestly. Okay, so however, okay, there is hope. The rule is being challenged. Mm-hmm. Okay, especially so in in San Diego, there's like fights. There's fights in San Diego. These ants that are like that are like a kilo, kilometer long. Why specifically in San Diego? Not sure, but that's where because finally in San Diego, one one new colony has actually started to fight back against, just like they do in Argentina. Oh, they've started to fight back against all the other. All the other ones. Okay. So okay. What, what's happened? So like, so one super colony is known as the Lake Hodges super colony, mm-hmm. and they're in civil war. Can you get a Can you get a shirt, a jersey, like from go, Lake Hodges? go Lake Hodges? Yeah, I would love <laughs> with an ant on it. Yeah. Okay. And they're engaged in a war with a colony that split off from them, which is just known as the very large colony. Oh, <laughs> the the really big one. Yeah. So it's cool because some some scientists just spend their days tracking the movement and colony of these ants. Which is sick. Yeah. So the very large colony and Lake Hodges colony are are in a world war, a civil war, basically down in San Diego. Okay. An estimated 30 million ants die in the war each year. So there must be some kind of survival instinct that kicks in eventually. And they're just yeah. like, hey, listen, like if we keep not fighting each other, we're just going to overrun the entire planet. And therefore, we should attack and each therefore, other. And therefore, yeah, like if we if we stop fighting, if we don't fight each other, we're gonna overrun the planet. There's gonna be no biodiversity, and then all the things that we need to grow food are gonna die. It's kind of eerily reminiscent of humans. It's A weird. Bit. It's weird. Um, yeah. Another thing. Okay. Recently, mm-hmm. red red their their old nemesis, Adam, their old nemesis from Ar- Argentina, Messi, Messi's old nemesis from Argentina. Right. Okay, known as the red fire ants that they used to war with down in the floodplains down there. Yeah, the old nemesis. The old nemesis. We brought them too, didn't we? Dave, we we also brought them too. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Okay, we also brought the damn old nemesis. God damn it. So so now now the Argentine ants are competing with their old nemesis again. So there's a large there's large battles of that too. Okay. So in the southeastern U.S., the fire ants have actually extinguished the Argentine ants. So the fire ants won the battle down in the southeastern U.S., but in the western U.S. The Argentine ants are winning. Would you consider that like <laughs> the Battle of Midway? I would consider that, yeah, exactly. The Southwestern Theater. The so- I would say it's the Western Theater of yeah. the Argentine ant. Yeah. And then the South, the Southeastern Theater, you know, they won. They've okay. already won that. So this is all going down in SoCal, Arizona, Nevada area? It's going down across the world. Oh, okay. If you watch the map, map of it, it's going down on every single continent because the Argentine ants, for the most part, they're... Like, if you have a colony of Argentine ants that are in the U.S., mm-hmm. and then there's a colony in Australia, yeah. it's the same colony. Oh. So, <laughs> it's the same Wait, what, exact what colony. What makes them part of the same colony? Is there some sort of genetics? Genetics. Uh, like, they can trace their lineage yes. back? So, so it's a good question. When... That's what I asked. When, I only asked... I only asked... Suck the it. Best, <laughs> most pertinent questions. <laughs> when the... When the... When the... When the... Col- in Argentina, when the... When the... Uh, the recon colony, if you will breaks off eventually when the recon colony develops like very different genetics is when they start to attack is when they start to attack back the other colony okay so the ants 
now that are spread everywhere in the super colony, they're not genetically different. The ants that are spread everywhere now in the super colony are not genetically different. Yeah. Because they're, they're the same. Because they're, the they're part of the same the, colony. Exa- exactly. And, Adam. and so when the Hodge, Hodges, Hodgepole, Lake Hodgepole colony attacked, they're attacking essentially the same colony. Yeah. Lake Lake Hodgepole has, has a new uh, center forward, new striker that's really <laughs> yeah. good. Okay. And he's been beating the defense of the super large colony for a long time. <laughs> that's great for them. Okay. Hey. Yeah. Is it weird that I imagine the ants in Argentinian soccer jerseys in blue and white, in light blue and white, parading around? The what did south, you imagine the red, southwestern United? How about States? the red fire ants? What did you imagine them as? Kind of like Fire Nation and Avatar kind of. Jerseys. Yeah, I like that's good. All right, yeah. hey, tell us about army ants. Move All on right. to army ants. So instead of going up in scale, we're gonna go down in scale a little bit, but up in excitement. As that's always, right. bring the heat. Bring to the heat army up. ants. We're talking about army ants specifically in the tropics. So we're not, it's, this is not Mr. Worldwide Pitbull. Okay. <laughs> I'm Mr. Worldwide. Yeah, Argentine ants are Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. This is just going on in the tropics. Um, why are these things so cool? Well, army ants, they survive off attacking and feasting off the larva specifically of other ants. So they eat their babies. Such an ant thing to do. Yeah. Such an ant Viking thing to do. Um, the common term army ant refers to more than 200 different species of tropical ant whose main mission is to steal larvae from other colonies and eat them. Cool things about army ants, Noah. Number one is that they don't have a nest. And they build something really fucking crazy instead of a nest. <laughs> what do they build? They have a nomadic lifestyle of millions of individuals. They have what's called a... a oh, shit. A, I, I swear to God, I practiced this for 10 minutes. A biv, bivouac. 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 Yeah, I can bivouac. Say, even I can say it's big, a climbing. Even I can, a, my idiot asks they bivouac. It's a climbing term. It means like no cover or tent. We're going to bivouac it. Okay, so they have what's called a bivouac. A bivouac in terms of army ants is a living nest of millions of workers that are swarming around each other. So there's oh nothing. Man, so this is a living structure. There's no leaves. There's no sticks. It's a living structure of ants linked together in a giant ant ball. What? Yes. So they, so they, they do. They, they just exist in a cohesive living structure of themselves. Yes, and they're nomadic. So once again, they're <laughs> they're not gardeners, right? One of the things you talked about at the beginning of the show is that these ants are highly specialized and have high adaptations to their environments. Yes, right. Like leafcutter ants, they grow things. Argentinian super colony, they're really good at reproduction and you know playing a little footy in the southwest. Okay, these army ants are really good. At moving and attacking and eating babies. Right. I think that's what's, I totally agree. That's what's so cool about ants is that they're all so specialized. That is why it would be really cool to study them. It would be cool. I would study ants. Okay. So every night, it's a systematic process of deconstructing the ant ball, moving a little bit, reconstructing the ant ball, and then sending (laughs) out attacks. (laughs) That is so cool. So as many as 700,000 workers in the bivouac protect the queen. It basically looks like, if you're looking at a picture, a pile of sand. Um, and when you step in it, I see it, you realize it's actually a swarming mound of ants. So giant colonies of 15 million workers can form a colony, and they can consume up to 500,000 prey animals each day when they're moving. How much? 500,000 prey animals. So what is their prey? Their prey is spiders, bugs, even small birds. They'll eat birds. Okay, that's one. That's one thing I saw with these ants mm-hmm. is that ants are basically this. Like we obviously we're on a different macro level than them, so we don't care. But you sure about that? 
Uh, we don't care now, but to wait till the Argentina runs out of food. Yeah. Okay. So, um, they're like they're the scourge of insects. Like yeah, if you if, if you were just became an insect, your main thing that you'd be scared of is a is a horde of ants. For sure. There's nothing you can do to fight against them. They eat everything. Right. They destroy you. Great. Great book. Uh, what's the What's the science fiction book that we read recently? Children of Time. Children of Time. Yeah. That was a really good book. A big feature of that book is controlling the swarm of ants and using them as kind of like an organic uh, computer. That one was straight up good. That great book. book. Second one, uh, great book. first Children one, great. Amazing. Okay, so these army ants, one of the other unique things is that they have amazing hunting strategies. So they get to the new spot, they form their bivouac, and then according to the Journal of Animal Cells and Systems in 2002, they send out different columns to raid during the day. So they'll send out columns 12 to 17 times a day. So at the middle, in the nucleus, you have your little bivouac ant ball. And then extending from the ant ball for about 100 meters, you have a column of ants. And it will go, they'll go like 100 meters along this column until they hit a hive and they'll attack the hive. If they don't find a hive, they will come back to the ant ball and make a new column, all extending from the same nucleus. And eventually they make a circle. So it kind of, if you trace... Radius, yeah, a radius around them. If you trace the path of the ants throughout the day, it looks like a sun. It's just basically like like a stupid drawing, a kid's drawing of a sun where you have the ball and then little columns going out from it. Yeah. Right. So that's how they hunt. Um, they overwhelm colonies with their sheer numbers. And they're not that big. They're only about one centimeter long. They can also sting and bite at the same time. And that is the only fact. The crazy thing is that is the only fact I got from a book specifically about army ants. It was a 300 page book that they can sting and bite at the same time. <laughs> okay. This dude just wanted to talk about how sick the thorax was. Yeah, I know. That is what happens with these articles. That was it. It's like we're talking Literally about it. the antenna, like a tip of the antenna for 400 pages, and then we might get somewhere at the end. Other ants have specialized to fight army ants, obviously. Uh, many species just bounce when they see the army ant, especially other ants, because army ants specialize in hunting other ants specifically. Yeah, so there's out of there. They will just take their larva and they'll just be like, okay, army ants are here. <laughs> Let's get can, the fuck out of here. Can I tell you what's interesting to think about for a second? Yep. Thought experiment. What if it's like, because like the organization is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like there's so, there's very like millions of things. For insects, very complex. And well, it's like, it's like, New York, it's like a New York City that was like, had one mind. Right. It's like if you had, if you were New York City and you had one mind and it was so organized. If humans were this organized, I right, we we would be we would be on Mars. Isn't that what culture is? Kind of though, is culture our hive mind? Yeah, I would say. Yeah, you know, is it just meant to kind of control and organize us in a way? Yeah, it's meant to organize people. Think about nationalism. Yeah, United States nationalism. It's what about it? To organize us together in some way. You mean you know the nationalism that mean, is that's slowly dying? <laughs> that's slowly dying in the mean, U.S. Pa- you mean patriotism? Patriotism, nationalism. Mm-hmm. Nationalism is the international term of patriotism. Um. So these army ants, they that's it. They do. That, you're you're moving off my thought experiment. No, I we can go. Into it's so cool. Can you can you imagine if if humans could, we could like organize like that? Like where would we be? We'd be we'd be in we'd be in on, on on other solar systems. Really? Because when I study these ants, all I can think of is how much they mirror kind of our tribalism issues that we have as humans. It we, seems like the same problems. But we're nowhere near as good at organizing as they are. That's not true. We're really good at organizing. Not like them. They think with one mind. They literally just, they, they, they don't, there's no debate, right? There's no opposite issues. There's just one mind doing shit. 
Oh, it's I like a body. The ant, the ant, ant, uh, an ant colony is more like a you and your body. Mm-hmm. It's it's like when I'm moving my body, it's just my decisions to move the body. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but the one mind metaphor breaks down when the same colony is attacking each other, right? That's not one mind. What is that then? Well, they're very they engage in lots and lots of warfare. These ants. No, I know, but that's two minds, right? Attacking each other, trying to survive. For sure. Okay. Um, yeah. I wish I had more to say about that. I yeah, just, I just, didn't, I just want yeah. when I think about the ants, I think about our our issues. It seems like they have our issues too. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Finish your section. Um, <laughs> insects, spiders, scorpions, worms. That's all. Come on, we'll save for all. They all flee, right? Like you were saying, at the sign of the scourge of the army ants. Um, but. This kind of fleeing from burrows and trees and whatever by these insects, birds look for that and they will eat the worms and scorpions and spiders and such that flee from the army ants. So when you go to tropical rainforest, like in Costa Rica, Corcovado, which we'll talk to you about in a second, and you see these army ants parading around, you'll also see tons of birds picking at the insects that are leaving their nests from the army ants. So it's like a whole buffet, basically. Yeah, whole connection. Whole fucking insect buffet. Um, for now, keep that in your mind. Remember when I said leaf cutter? Please remember that the soldiers are huge, right? And that they grow fungus. For army ants, please remember that they're really efficient at killing off whole mounds and they of live, other ants. And they live in living balls that move around. They live in living balls and they eat the larvae. They depend and eat on the larvae of other ants. Okay. Cool. And Argentine ants are the super colony that goes everywhere. And also deeper discussions about ant society and our society and hive minds and what it could possibly mean in consciousness. I like it. Wait, let's do open, open kimono. Say that for open K. Yeah. Let's do a toast. Let's do a toast. We'll do a toast. First of all, to sweet teriyaki boy. To sweet teriyaki boy. For reviewing us. We love you. To the Argentinian super colony that's invading our homes right now. To the, to, to the Argentine super colony. We hope you die before you get to humans. Okay. Okay. This is, this is to fight them. To fight them. Let's have a little halftime open kimono, Noah. We're gonna do halftime open kimono. Sure, let's try it. Yeah. Okay. What was? What did you just say? Why do ants resemble humans to you? To me, because they are really willing to attack each other, and they're the same. They're in the same family, right? They're all related ants, but they're very warlike. Because they can they can't get over their own tribal nature. Right, and and when when the Ar- but when the Argentine ants did get over their tribal they're nature, they organized. But when yeah. the Argentine ants did get over the tribal tribal nature, they spread everywhere, and actually they spread everywhere so much so but they were, that they might get rid of all the resources anyway. Right, but they might be ruining their environment. Right, kind of like us. Mm-hmm. Polyergous ants, also known as the slave raiding ants, mm-hmm. polyergous ants are a small genus of fourteen slave raiding ants. Polyergous workers are themselves completely incapable of caring for babies. Did you say slave? Slave ants? They're slave raiding ants. They're slave making ants. Slave raiding They're slavers. Ants. They're slavers. Okay. Okay. So the polyergous, we're just going to call them the slaver ant, the slave ant. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Slaver. Because they're, they're doing the slavery. Yeah. Okay. They are so adapted to slavery that they, they actually, they can't pick up the cocoon of their young. Oh, in their mandibles? Their man- so their mandibles are only made for war. So they pierce like exoskeleton. Mm-hmm. And the, the, it's so great for war, right? As a theme, arms race, great for war, really bad for caring for the young. 
they can't like preen the larva. So for for those for, for the listeners, an ant larva is just like a, a squishy white blob that's about the size of the ant's head. Yeah. Okay. It just looks like a like a like a blob. Mm-hmm. Okay. These ants, if they tried to care for it, they would kill it. Okay. Okay. So in order to act, to raise their young, they have to go out and steal um, small black ants known as formic ants. Mm-hmm. Okay. And on this podcast, known as small black ants. <laughs> right. Okay. So they they embark on these raids, which are essential to their life. Like they don't just do it to to want to survive. If they can't get the slaves, the small black ant slaves, they will all die. How do they make the small black ants their slaves? Okay. So to obtain this workforce, they go on their raids. The formica, the small black ants, they know of this. Right? They know that this is happening. So they'll try and blockade their nest. And stop the the slaver ants from coming. Yeah, the polyergus. Yep. But so when the slave when the slave making ants get to the small black ants, they'll secrete a formic acid, mm-hmm. and the formic acid makes the small black ant black ants freak out and run away from the nest. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they basically they kind of mind control them with the chemicals. Ants, um, they don't have great some some of them don't have vision at all. Right. Some of them have no vision. They basically do their whole life through sense and through these like chemicals and smells and pheromones. That's mm-hmm. how they exist. So they're actually very easy to manipulate. As you'll see, it's like a common theme in ants. Ants manipulating other ants. Other insects manipulating ants. Um, so the, the red ants, they coat the young... They take the larva. Sorry, excuse me. The red, the slaver ants, they take the larva of the black ants. Mm-hmm. They take the larva and they take it back to their hive. Okay? When the, when the larva hatches... They coat the young ants in these secretions from their head. Mm-hmm. Okay. Head secretions. Yeah, head secretions. And because like the black ants have hatched inside of the nest of the red ants, they're like, they think that they're part of the colony. They don't, they, so what's an ant's sense of self? Does it ever see itself as being different? Obviously, no, it just, I guess not. That's interesting to think about. It's like, it's idea of identity, an ant's idea of identity. You know what I mean? Maybe they just don't have any kind of specialized identity. I don't think they do. Yeah. I think they're all about they're all about the colony. So these babies, they wake up in the colonies and they see everyone else and they're just like, you know, I am an ant, therefore right. I am like if, everyone else. If they had an individuality, that ant would be like, I'm a bl- I'm like a dark ant. These are red ants. Does it get treated differently by the other ants? No, they love it. Cuz they're like this thing is like, I oh, would need to survive with this thing. Yeah. Okay. So let me let me go over it again real fast. Slaver ants go into the black ants' nest. They take the larva back to, back they to love, their their slaver nest. Okay. Yeah. It it hatches. They rub they rub some kind of thing on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then it's ready to work for them. The the ants are actually they're so evolved for this. The red ants can't even eat food without the black ants. Without yeah. So they're the mandibles of the black ant of the red ants. They can't chew food. So in order for the red ants to eat, a black ant has to go out. It has to get food, bring it back, and basically like bird regurgitate it inside of the red ant. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's amazing. So how did they get so amazingly adapted to do this behavior? Together? Yeah. Yeah. There's all there's there's lots on that. Uh-huh. There's lots on that. Um they think that it was like it was like a it was like a party, like small groups would do it together. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it just blew up. That's amazing. In in some instances, actually. A queen of the polyergus, the slave, the slaver ant, mm-hmm. it can actually go out itself as one queen and steal a whole colony of black ants by herself. How? 
Yeah. Because with the acid. Yeah. So let me tell up. you. She she like she goes up to a nest. Yeah. Okay. So she like she leaves her red ant hive. She goes up to a she she only leaves the hive when she hive when she's been impregnated. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she leaves the hive. She sneaks up to the to the black ant hive and she releases pheromones that reduce the aggressiveness of the small black ant workers. And scientists have actually tested these pheromones. Um, so in an experiment in 1988 by Howard Topoff, they took the pheromones released by the slave-making ant and dipped the black ants in the solution. So they took they took the black ants, dipped them in the solution, and then they put the black ant in the same petri dish as a as a type of ant that the black ant like attacks all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the black ant attacked that other ant 300% less for 300% less time. Three hundred percent. So it makes them like late. It basically makes them drunk. Uh huh. Okay, it makes them lazy and drunk. Okay. After the cre- the the queen does this, she runs into the nest because she's still got like a time limit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not totally safe. She wants she wants into the nest, finds a black ant queen, and stabs, stabs and kills the queen as fast as she can. Stabs it with. She's a stinger. She's got a stinger. Okay. Okay. She stabs and kills the black ant queen. Once the queen's dead, she spends. 30 minutes to an hour licking her head and body. Okay. Okay, so she licks she licks the body. Some for some reason, when she when she licks the body, she's getting some kind of chemical onto herself. After that, all the the small black workers, like um, when they when they test this, they say it, it's immediately. Mm-hmm. Like immediately after she's she starts licking the dead other queen. They consider her the queen. They consider her the queen. And then she, and then she pops her then she pops her eggs down there and we're good to go. And then she, that, so she's literally taken over the colony. Then she's literally taken over the colony. So I did a lot of research on how then do Formica ants even survive to this day. Yeah. So if these ants are just getting bitch made, you know, all over the place, how did they... Well, here's my question for you. Yeah. They're getting bitch made, but it's not like they're dying. They're living with the red ants as just workers that they would have been otherwise anyway. Right. It's kind of... So they're living, they're living in subjugation, but they just don't know it. They don't know it, and they, it's like the same job that they had anyway. It's like as if someone were controlling this simulation that we're living in right now. We're just living in a simulation. We just didn't know it and being controlled. Right. That's exactly what's happening to them. They mm-hmm. don't know it, but they're just completely being controlled. Okay. If the colony that the slave-making queen is... Listen to this. If the colony the slave-making queen is attacking has multiple queens, say that the four, the, the small black... Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I got oh, it. I'm sorry. Multiple queens. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Multiple queens... She'll take weeks and sometimes months kind of roaming across the colony and systematically killing each different queen and licking her. But I don't understand. I don't understand that. I thought that she only had a limited amount of time for the acid wears Once off. she, once she kills. So, so she goes there, sp- she sprays the acid and yeah. that's to get to the first queen. Once she, once she licks that first queen, she's good to go for forever because she's got the right. the scent. Right, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't kill the other queens. Yeah, I see. So so when she's in there, she'll spend like weeks and months, like systematically, like hunting the other queens and killing all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, right. yes, it's tight. Um, also now I want to bring up a section, Adam. Yeah, it's called the weird internet corner. Yeah, sure. Okay, we've talked about this with people that like to get stung by insects. Oh, okay. people like to get bit by ants. People that like to get bit by insects yeah. and make YouTube videos, and yeah. it's like a thing. Uh-huh. Okay, and now I found something really weird too. There is a place on the internet where I guess it's cool. People pour molten aluminum into ant holes. Holy and shit! They put they pour molten aluminum into ant holes and uh, bee mounds, and they they do it to make art. So you pour the molten aluminum in it, then you take it out. 
and you uh, you power wash it. And then they like display it, and they're like, "This is what the hive looks like." This is what it did look like before. This is what it did look like before it. you like completely railed it, right? Wait, with live animals in it? Yeah. Is that chill? I don't think it's that chill. That seems really unchill. So, I, so, so okay. So, a couple things on this. Yeah. One, no, I don't think it's that chill to pour aluminum into like into these animals' homes, unless like your your home is threatened by them, then kill the nest, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, is it's not chill. Number two, the thing is, when they take it out and they're like displaying it, and people are like, "Oh, that's so sick!" It just looks like kind it of looks a like a fucking. Shit. It looks like a fucking aluminum. It looks like a blob. <laughs> and they're like, "Here's the hive." They're like, "Here's the hive. Look how, <coughs> look how, look how cool it is." And it just looks like a blob. And there's like millions of views, and people are like, "That's so amazing!" Like I did that the other day. I couldn't believe it. I well, I I'm wondering if there's like some being watching us that thinks like we're the ants and like we're gross little creepy crawly creatures that make these weird homes on the planet and that we have a hive mind? i mean if you just backed up a little bit okay, you were looking from the sky but then that creature would have to have more individuality would, than us and looked at the sky we would look like a bunch of ants just running around being ants you know going to work making a house you know oh like if you looked at it from that if level just look at it from a bird's eye level we look like ants like a bunch of people going to work right that looks like everyone's working like, why like how does going this, together how does the city not look like an ant hive? but you're saying that the creature looking at us then would be as as individual as more individualistic as we are to the ants that creature would be more individualistic as it is to us i can see do you, you see what i'm saying I see that you did took, you, you get took that bong rip a little bit early on this episode i didn't i would love to take a bong rip mm-hmm. um adam yeah Okay, the section that you've been telling people to remember yeah. and wait for. Is it now? It's known as Army Ant and Leaf Cutter Battle. Right. Give That's it to us. I have down. Okay. Leaf Cutter Ants, we know that they have really big soldiers and that they use leaves to grow fungus. Army Ants, we know that they terrorize other ant colonies and they eat their larvae and that's how they subsist. But Noah, did you know that Army Ants and Leaf Cutter Ants Frequently have battles in tropical regions. You've said this before. Okay. Leafcutter ants are much bigger than army ants, but army ants are much greater in numbers and specialize in eating babies of leafcutter ants. So in Corcovado National Park in Costa Rica, which I've been to, if you look at the arms of Costa Rica, Corcovado. So traveled, man. Corcovado. Keep going. Continue. No, I feel like an asshole. No, keep, keep going. Corcovado is one of the arms of Costa Rica. I forget which one it is. You know, it has little arms on the mm-hmm. west side. Okay, it's one of those arms. Yes, I should have looked up which one. Okay, but this isn't that kind of podcast, right? No, this is on brand. In Corcovado National Park is one of the most biodiverse places on the planet. So when we were there, we saw a tapir. Have you ever seen a tapir? Do you know what that is? Wait, it's the it's it's a little little it's, mammal that like, eats ants, right? It's like a small elephant, but it's still huge. And it was ripping down... Like uh, oh, it's palm trees. It was just ripping so them down cool. with its trunk. It was so fucking cool. Um, it was amazing. So this place is full of wild animals. We also saw a great white anteater cross the trail. They're so amazing. They're huge. Great white anteater. That is dope. Yeah. Eating ants. Eating ants. Exactly. I want to see a video of, an ant, of a white anteater eating ants. So there is a specific genus of army ant that is able to attack leafcutter ants. And its name is Nomomyrix. Okay, but if for this section, I'm just going to call them army ants. And by genus, I mean species. That is the specific species that can attack leafcutter ants. Okay. So the thing about them is that they're more robustly built than other army ants. They have shorter appendages that are a lot thicker that allow them to attack, I guess, better. Okay, so in this kind of, this is kind of like we're going to Gettysburg right now. And we're kind of seeing a reenactment. 
a biologist who for some reason, oh, there it is. I was like, she didn't make it in my notes. Not a Jew named Monica Schwartz. Okay, but Schwartz spelled the non-Jewish way without the H. Well, I was going to say okay. definitely Jewish. No, she doesn't spell it with an H. So it's not at S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z? It's like Schwartz. S-C-W-A-R-Z. Monica Schwartz. I'm just going to say Schwartz. That's so interesting. The Schwartz, let the Schwartz be with you, Monica. Schwartz, yeah. Okay, a biologist in 2003 studying the ants in Corcovado National Park. She kind of uh, gave a, a journal of an event of an attack. And I'm just going to read the highlights of the attack. In her journal, she says the species, the species name of each ant like a million times. I have replaced the species name with find and replace with army ant and leafcutter ant for your listening pleasure. Okay? For your listening pleasure. So. And now. We start. Deep voices. The army ants were coming down a large cleared leafcutter trail. Within minutes, the number of arriving army ants increased to become a river of ants, eight to ten individuals across, with additional ants clustered on the trail sides. Any leaf cutters on the trail were encased by attackers. Many of these ants grasped dry cut leaf fragments from around the hole entrances, which they were blocked from, and successfully plugged some holes from within by pulling the leaf fragments over the tunnel entrances. Others used the leaf fragments as a barricade. Holding the leaves vertically, they formed a ring-shaped barrier wall of leaves around the main entrance and later two other holes. Pushing forward, around 300 leaf-wielding leaf cutters, soldiers at the main hole expanded the defensive ring barricade to a maximum diameter of 20 centimeters. Leaf cutter defenses were sufficient to prevent any further mound entrances by army ants. So the leaf cutters, they're making a barricade, a wall of, of leaves. Leaf. Of leaves. That's so From cool. the army ants. Okay. Because they got a bunch of leaves in there that they got stored. Exactly. They got and, a bunch and, of leaves. And then they have their, sold, their big spider soldiers out in front. Monica continues... Do they have their big spider soldiers out in front? I'm trying to imagine this. Yes. The giant ones. The giant the ones are out. giant So the ones. giant ones are out in front fighting the army ants. And the giant. leaf cutters behind them are putting up the leaves for the barricades. Yeah. Dope battle. Dope battle. Keep going. The conflict appeared to be continuing under the surface with no more leaf cutters emerging. And the entrance of the army ants seemed impeded. I mean, entrance. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, she, it's, she means that the entrance of the leaf cutters. Right. Okay. However, any internal defenses were overcome. When 10 minutes later, the army ants suddenly began entering the mound at two entrances in columns seven ants wide and stacked four ants deep. I estimated the entry rate at each hole at 10 ants per second and limited only by hole size. So, so they, they got, got in. They so got hold in. on. So, so they, got into, they got into two other entrances? Yes, they got into two other entrances. Idiot leaf ant. With a mass entry of, of around 1,800 army ants per minute. She's doing some quick math. She's a real so, math whiz. So they're all running into these other entrances. So they're running into the other entrances, even though the leaf cutter soldiers block off the main entrance. Yeah. Six minutes later, the first army ants came out of the leafcutter mound with larvae, three millimeters long. And nine minutes later, one in 10 ants leaving the colony had a leafcutter larva or pupa. So, so they've, it, gotten is, their, is this, they've gotten their booty. Do the army, army ants have the larva? The army ants have the larva. So they're stealing the larva and running away. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Okay. After the battle, several thousand ants of both species lay dead at the base of the mound. The majority were of the major caste, which is the soldier caste. The largest workers in their respective colonies, in pairs or small clusters, many army ants and leafcutter ants died with their jaws locked together. The next morning, the remains of dead combatants littered the ground. So who won? The army ants seemed like they got some of the larvae, but they but they didn't they didn't destroy the colony altogether. They got some of the larvae to eat, and they probably went back on their column and did another like attack. That's right. how they work. I wonder, but they lost a lot of numbers. Yeah. 
Hmm. It's costly. It's very so, costly. Yeah, and that was actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. That was like the. It was a great battle. It was Gettysburg. It's basically Gettysburg. So that's a real battle between army ants and leafcutter ants that takes place. Yeah. I would say, personally, the leafcutters put up a good, a good enough defense to kind of like, they lost some numbers, but they, they probably wounded them. The leafcutter ants are great defenders, and usually... Because they put up the leaf barricades. Usually army ants can't attack them, except for this one specific species with more armor. So what they do when they come together is that the army ants try to grab the legs of the giant soldiers. And rip them. They, they grab the legs, and then the army ant soldiers, which are still not even close to as big as the leafcutter ant soldiers will try to slice off its like antenna or slice through its abdomen. So they overwhelm with sheer number. It's a horde. Right, Scourge, right. horde. Right, right, right. And then the, the big soldiers are basically buying time for the leafcutters behind them to put up the... To put up the... Put up the walls, stick their heads dope. in the tunnels. Honestly, stuff like that. honestly dope. Yeah. Gettysburg. Okay, Noah. Yeah. Now we talk about ant versus ant. Please talk to us I about really like ant versus insect. Okay, absolutely. Okay, we're gonna start. We're gonna start with the bulldog ants versus the Avondale spiders. Jesus. Okay, we're going ant versus spider here. So the Avondale spider, it raises her youth in a in a nest, usually inside a dead log or underneath a decaying piece of wood. So this is also where where the bulldog ants like to live. Avondale spiders, they're about the size of your palm, so they're a big ass spider. It's a huge. It's a huge spider, but they're not really dangerous to humans for some reason. Okay. When they, when they go rear, they're a very social spider, but when they go rear their young, they split off from their colony and they go by themselves. So they go by themselves, they find, they find their own nest, okay? And they, they rear their young there, mm-hmm. okay? Bulldog, bulldog ants and these spiders, the problem is that they have the same foraging grounds and they eat the same food, okay? So they're in competition. Bulldog ants, when they, when they find, bulldog, first of all, sorry, bulldog ants are huge, they're about an they're about an inch long, and they get their name from mandibles that are able to lock onto victims and ba- and just hang on. And they have like a really powerful toxin. Supposedly the bite. I'm sure that you could find bulldog ants. I'm sure you could find bulldog ants biting people on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. Um, since 1936, three people have died from bulldog ant bites. What from the poison? From the toxin. From just being bitten a lot. They probably had other conditions too. Okay. Okay, anyway, they're, they're, it's a badass ant. I see. Okay, so when a bulldog ant finds an Avondale spider nest, it sends out pheromones to get its other bulldog ant friends and, and raid the nest and wipe it out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the mama spider, it's a big-ass spider, she's actually able to fend off all the ants. How many ants? <sighs> Thousands. Okay. Sometimes she's able to actually fend them all off. More often than, than not, though, she has to get her young and run out of the nest. Mm-hmm. Okay, because the problem is that she can bite through the bulldog web or a nest. These spiders very good. So these spiders live in live just under decaying logs, uh, in decaying wood. So no nest. They don't. They no don't, web. They, sorry, they're not a web spider. Not a web. Not a web spider. Um, she the mama, she's able to bite through the ant exoskeleton. Her fangs fangs are strong enough. Yeah, because if they're not a web spider, that means that they have adaptations that are really good at hunting. They're a hunting spider. Therefore, like really fierce mandibles and toxins right. and shit like She's that. She's able to bite through the ants, but her babies, her younglings, they're not able to bite through the exoskeleton. Right. So she usually, more often than not, she gets them, they get out of there, okay? The cool thing that the that the bulldog ants do to the nest is that after she, when she usually runs away, they like trash the nest. So they bring sticks, leaves, wood, clutter, and they like fill the nest up with it. 
They fill it up with it so that she can never come back and use it again. They fill up her nest with shit. Yeah. So they basically like come to their place, their place of work, and they completely trash it where it like they total it. Okay. Where you can't come back. Yeah. And then? And then she can't come back and use it. So they take her nest over. Why do they want her nest? No, 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 they don't. So, so that's the thing is that they, they don't take it over. They just, they basically, they scare the spiders out. The spiders usually run away. Yeah. Okay. Then the ants take all this clutter and debris and put it into the, the that spider can't really dig. Why do the ants want to do that? Because they want to eradicate this spider because they're competing for food. So this has nothing to do with like eating the spider? Nothing to do with eating the spider. It has, it has to do with that, that environmentally. Mm-hmm. Both they're, they're competing for the same kind of food. So What's the, the food that they're competing for? I looked that up a lot. Not sure. So you don't know what the food is that they're competing for? No. But the, bull, the bulldog ants know that they need, to, they need to eradicate this spider. Okay? So when they find the nest, they like trash and break and break the nest basically and fill it up with debris. Okay. How did you feel about that one? Um, I feel like that was a little bit like half-baked ice cream, that one. What do you mean? It's cool. They're like they're like the trasher ants. They I wonder, trash. They trash the nest. I wonder why they do that though. I want to know why. That's like so the that main they, reason. So they wipe out the spider. But why do they want to wipe the spider out? Because they 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 have the same habitat. They eat the same food. I got that. I just want to know what the food is. Okay. Hey, I got a banger though. I'll just give you a banger. I'm gonna skip this next one. I'm I'm gonna give you an absolute banger. This is my this is my favorite of the show. Please do it. Okay. Butterfly versus ant versus wasp. Yeah. Okay. This is a really sick like connection basically with all these creatures. Yeah. A, a species of butterfly, butterfly called the large blue, mm-hmm. okay, it needs a special species of red ant called the myrmica, we're just going to call them red ant right now, to raise its young, okay? So, at first, this butterfly, it puts the caterpillars, you know, sorry, it puts the larva underneath a tree, mm-hmm. okay? When the larva get big enough to hatch into a caterpillar, they fall, they fall from the tree and they hatch into a caterpillar, okay? The cool thing about this caterpillar is it almost exactly mimics the larva of the ants. So usually within minutes of the caterpillar falling to the ground, red ants come and they find this larva. They take it and they bring it back. They bring it back to their nest. Oh, and then it hatches. Yeah. Early in so, so listen to this. They bring, it, they, they bring it back to their nest. And in their nest, the caterpillar, like it secretes chemicals of being an ant and it has the workers go and feed it. Sometimes they're so good at it that they can actually like do this until they pupate and become a butterfly themselves. Okay, so also what's going on here is wasps in the same area. Okay, they need to lay their eggs inside of these caterpillars. This is getting so insecty. It's getting so insecty, but this is like a couple levels deep. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna go. So the red ants take the caterpillars back to their nest, and they're basically mind controlled to feed it and whatever. Yeah. Okay. Wasps are wise to this game. Okay. Yeah. So the wasps know. They know that. The caterpillars are not actual larvae, that they're caterpillars. Okay. And wasps need to lay their eggs inside of caterpillars. Uh-huh. Okay. So now the wasps, they they approach these nests and they secrete a pheromone that basically makes like a saloon brawl happen. Okay. They secrete this chemical that makes the ants fight each other for 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 like for a little bit. The ants, okay, of the same colony fight each other. Fight each other, yep. Then the wasp runs into the nest and gets on the caterpillar and drops its eggs inside of the caterpillar. Classic insect move. Classic insect move. Yeah. Drops its eggs inside inside of a caterpillar and and runs out. So we basically it's basically it's insect inception. 
Yeah. Okay. We have. we have the caterpillar tricking the ant to feeding it, and then the wasp tricking the ants again to then poop its eggs inside of the caterpillar that's tricking the ants. We're two levels deep. Yeah. I see. What is what is the cater when the caterpillar is in there? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't have a wasp laying eggs in it, what happens? It it hatches and then what? Into a butterfly inside of the nest? No, no. So usually when it's ready to hatch into a butterfly, it goes out of the nest and cr- crawls up a tree. <laughs> okay. Why does why does the butterfly want to trick the ants into taking that caterpillar in the first place? Because then the butterfly doesn't have to raise it at them. Oh, the ants raise it as one of their own? Yes. Does it fly out of the nest as a butterfly? Okay. Okay. Where did, I lo- where did I lose you in the inception? Does it fly out of the nest as a butterfly? Or does it crawl out as a caterpillar? Okay. So the the, the butterfly lays, lays the pupa that are on the tree. Yeah. Okay. Then it flies away and does its butterfly thing. Yeah, right. Okay. The pupae. Yeah, pupae. When they become a caterpillar, it looks like a big red blob and it falls to the forest floor. Mm-hmm. It then waits there. Because it knows the ants are going to come, think it that think that it's an ant larva, and take it back to their to their nest, yeah, to their colony. Okay. Once it's back in the colony, it secretes a chemical that makes the ants basically work for it. Okay. So they're feeding it. They're feeding it and everything. When it becomes a butterfly, when it's ready to become a butterfly, it goes out of the nest, crawls up a I tree, see, and becomes a butterfly. Do they not notice that the caterpillar is like five times the size of the? So yeah. Ant so that so they say that that's the biggest problem. So there's a cool there's a really cool picture. The, with um but it's like really grainy yeah but it's basically it's like that it's a caterpillar next to an ant larva and it's like a hundred times bigger than the ant larva but the same color yeah and then there's a wasp on top of the caterpillar trying to lay its eggs inside of the caterpillar and then there's there's a couple ants from the nest biting the wasp thinking that it's trying to take their larva jesus christ inception honestly how many levels? Three <laughs> levels deep. Oh my god! Insects, insects, it's so insecty. Um, tell us about weavers. Okay. How'd you like that one? By the way, I, I thought that, that one was, really, was really, cool. really, really, really cool. That was really cool. Yeah, I'm kind of getting the feeling in my body, the insect feeling. Where Are I you get, getting like, grossed out? I'm getting a little. I'm getting like after an hour of insect, I feel a little like tingly. You feeling a little tingled? Yeah. Something about wasp laying eggs in caterpillar while it's also inside of, of an ant I'm nest. Sweating while it's inside of its own ant nest. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's it's a little much. Okay, let's end with something a little a little higher level, a little bit luxurious. The ant of luxury, as you will, the high elf of the ant kingdom. Insection, insection. That was. Perfect. I just came up with it. Damn, it was a little late, but That's I did perfect. it. Perfect. Weaver. That ant is the weaver ant. Why is a weaver ant so cool? They build giant kingdoms in the forest canopy, so they're not like other ants. They don't operate on the floor. They operate in the shrubs of trees at the top level and what they do is they build a network of nests and they don't build nests out of their own body parts and they don't build them out of leaves and twigs what they do is they form long chains i'm doing this with my hands like a hot dog like i'm preparing a hot dog yeah good and they bend the giant tree leaves that are still alive and they glue them together by using the larvae, the silk from the lar- their larvae's mouth. So they use their uh, own yes. larvae as silk guns, and they basically squirt a bunch of silk on these leaves. They do long lines, and they bend the live leaves together to make a living nest. That's really cool. In the canopy. They take the, they take the leaves that are, that, are, that are living already there, bend them together, and, and, and glue them. Yep. 
and it has many different um, compartments. So this isn't the only nest they build. In the middle of their networks, they have the queen in the main one and then branching off for over four basketball fields length, they have all sorts of nests. They can have hundreds of nests. They have nests for barracks for their soldiers that they just hang out in. They have nests for raising their young. They have nests for just food supply. All, all across the tree. All across, all the, across tree the tree. All across the tree, tree tops. So when they get attacked, and weaver ants only ta- attack each other because they're in the, they're highly specialized in the trees. Yeah. When they get attacked, they don't try to wipe out other colonies because they're so well organized that the nearest barracks barrack nest of leaves will immediately start sending out troops to where they're getting attacked. So eventually the attackers always get overrun. So they're constantly at war of attrition, basically. They're right. at war just for territory, but their colonies don't get overrun very often because they're very organized with their nest networks. With their defenses, basically, are too organized. They have tons of... Yeah. Their castle can't be taken. Right, exactly. The Another cool thing about them is that they raise cattle. They raise aphids as cattle, which you've said before. The aphids produce a kind of honey for them. Um, the aphids and the ant... They end up being the only insects on specific trees. So they protect the trees from other harmful pests. So it's a mutualistic relationship. If the ants don't kill the tree, that is. And dope. that, yeah, that's that's uh, 30 seconds on Weaver Ants. They're fucking cool. That's dope. Yeah, they keep they keep it real. They keep it classy up there. They're also a really attractive ant. Like if you look at a picture. They're a good looking ant. They're a good looking ant. They have really nice long legs and big eyes. They're kind of cool looking. Like if you, you want an ant to look like a weaver. If you ant. were to date an ant, it would, be, a, it would be a weaver. It, it'd be a weaver for, for sure. sure a weaver. And now it's time. And now it's time. Not for that. And now it's time. And now it's time. And now it's time. Adam. Yes. Okay. Before we start open command, I want to I want to say insection once more time. Yeah. And 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 what it is, caterpillar tricks ants. It's inside the ant hive. While it's tricking the ants, a bee comes. It also tricks the ants, and then it tries to lay its eggs inside of the caterpillar that's inside the ant hive that it's tricking. Jesus Insection. Christ. Okay, now go. That's so much insection. It just, that makes me crawl. Yeah, it really does. Uh, open kimono. What I have to say is that ants, since they've been around for millions of years, they're really cool to look at because they're highly adapted to their environment. And they're highly adapted to do something very special in a niche. That's why we've talked about weaver ants, leafcutter ants, army ants, Argentinian super colony ants. They all have different methods to do something very well. So maybe, you know, maybe you should be more like an ant. Maybe you could specialize in something and do it very well and carve out your own niche. I think they're super cool because they're, they're, the, they're the most organized society. They're, complex and organized. They're yeah. the most complex and organized society and they're way more organized than us. Yeah. They act as one. They're yeah. a body. We should do an episode on hive mind. We should like, like is a hive, like is really, really diving into the research on is a hive mind. One thing. Is it a single consciousness working behind the ant? Is it a, is it? Yeah. Is it just one brain? I wonder. I think it, wait, I think it is one brain and their body parts. Oh yeah. I think, I think I believe so. Before we get to shout outs, I just want to say that I know that these times when this episode comes out, we're about uh, less than a week away from the election and it can be a very stressful time. And it is for me, I know definitely. But it is our civic duty, as we've discussed, to vote. So if you are anywhere in the United States and you haven't yet, go drop your ballot off. And hopefully you can do that. On this podcast, I just want to say that there's only one candidate 
that has an aggressive and comprehensive plan to halt climate change. And that candidate's name is Joe Biden. So on this podcast, we are officially endorsing and supporting Joe Biden for president. Noah, some shout outs. Hey, shout out to everyone that reviewed us. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Shout out to our amazing listeners. Okay, a toast to you. We'll do a toast to you. Thank you so much for listening. We love you guys. We love all the support we've gotten from everyone. Thank you. Shout out to Sarah's boyfriend. Shout out to Sarah's boyfriends. Of course. Hey, shout out to the ants. Okay, they've made it since the Jurassic. They've been, they've been diversifying. Okay, I just hope the Argentinian ants don't take over. Me neither. Insection. Insection. Insection.